Welcome to Pro Bull Talk, where it's all talk and no bull. Get ready to slide and ride. This episode is brought to you by Sutherland Logistics. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another great episode of Pro Bull Talk, where it's all talk and no bull. And today we're gathered with uh, the one and only Blake Skaggs, Mr. Briar Hart, and myself, Brandon Wren. But today, Mr. Cody Hart, he's in the hot seat. He's in the hot seat. We're going to talk to him today. Um, I thought it would be a great idea to, to talk to him. We know the stories. We know all the all the background and everything that went on with uh, Cody coming up through the ranks and, and winning the world. But I thought the viewers might need to know a little bit more about Cody. So, Cody, how's it going, buddy? Uh, it's going good. I'm, I'm going to find out about this hot seat. We've had plenty of guys on the show, and, and uh, they tell me the seat gets pretty hot over there. But uh, So I guess I'm in it today. But just so you all know, this was not my idea. I, no. I didn't ever want to tell the story, but, uh, you know. I'm just glad Brandon talked you into it. I've been trying to get you to do it since we started. Well, it's not the show's not about me, right? It wasn't ever about me. It was uh, my love of the PBR and where I see it's going now, and 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 who's running it and what. I think there's there's better ways to go about it and do business and and grow the sport than than what they're doing. And that's why I thought this would be a great opportunity to talk about it. You know, we we kind of know you, you. You know, we know you're a world champ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steer riding world champ. Mutton <laughs> busted. It was a yeah. size, as a matter of fact, like the carnival. You got to be yeah. a certain height to ride these rides. Yeah. I was a mini sheep rider. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you know, you look back. You look back. I, you know, I know you rode some some steers and calves and come into it. Uh, um, but you know, the PBR was devised kind of come around uh, by a bunch of bull riders, and then mm-hmm. year three of the PBR World Finals. Was that your first one? Uh, I made the finals first time in 96. In 96. And I think their first finals was in 93 in Fort Worth. I, th- I think. I could be wrong. It's been a lot of years, but I think it's about the 92, 93, I think, is when they had their first So in finals. the first couple of years yeah. uh, of the PBR, you, you, you come in there and made your first finals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you looked all the way to the day. Um, you know, what was some of the things that, that you've seen then that, that you loved? What made you want to be in the PBR? Uh, what made me being wanted to be in the PBR so much is is the the fact that it was the best bull riders against the best bulls. End of story, cut and dry. You know, growing up, you know, PBR wasn't around, and I wanted to be a PRCA world champion bull rider. I wanted to be the world champion because when you're a world champ, nobody else did it for you. You had to do it yourself. You had you was the one sticking your hand in the rope, and you was the one nodding. You was the one making it happen. If you didn't win, it was because of you. Not because of the bull or not because of anything else. It was because of you didn't perform good enough. And I, I always thought at a young age, and I was competing, you know, with big guys, you know, big name guys, tough, and them at some Super Bowl deals when I was 13, 14 years old. So I knew I, I, I kind of knew I had the talent, but I needed a place to showcase it. And PRCA would have been an excellent place. And I went and pro rodeoed for, for a year or so. And that was kind of, you know, if some of y'all have heard on the podcast, that's kind of when PRCA and PBR was at, at ends, at odds with one another. And they kind of made me choose. And I like the, I like the idea of if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, and all the, the best bull riders was in the PBR. And they promised to bring the best bulls, and they delivered the very best bulls in the world from the very top stock contractors in the world. And that's that's where I wanted to go. And then, and, like I said, you know, almost to me, and and no, nothing downing PRCA or nothing, but that title became secondary to me. 
And, and I know it's a different type of world title because it's not just in the PRCA. It's not just riding bulls. It's logistical. You've got to know how to travel. You've got to be up and down the road. It, it, you travel basically 365 days out of the year and, you know, up and down the road, injuries, all this. And, but you might not get on a great bull once in a month, maybe, if you're lucky twice in a month, and you better make it count. In the PBR, you went somewhere every weekend, and you knew way ahead of time. The schedules were, you know, out a couple months ahead of time. So you could get them cheaper flights, and when you got there, you knew. You may not know that bull, but you knew he was going to be good, and you had a shot to win. That was the deal back then is it didn't matter what you drew. That with the bull riders running the PBR at the time, they wanted something. They didn't want that 80-pointer or in there, something that if you rode, you, you just – you. You might place. They wanted you wanted to win it. That you had a chance to win it. And if you didn't, then that's why if it was an eighteen point or less, you got an automatic re-ride back then. You know. Um, now I, I don't know if it's that way now or not. But that's that's where I wanted to go because that would give me the best shot. I knew if I did my job, then I would be. I'd have a shot at winning something. Well, before we go any farther, what made you start wanting to ride bulls? Did your family? Did your dad, did anybody um, like that do that? At what age did you start? Well, I, I, I grew up in a rodeo family. Okay. My dad rode bulls for a long time. Uh, story goes, I don't know, I was little, but the story I was told is that he almost made the NFR, uh, or he had the NFR made one year, and he broke his leg at the Cow Palace and couldn't go or just missed it or something. Um, and so when we was kids, my dad had a rodeo company, and – we kind of started riding calves and steers and, and uh, you know, always looked up to JW, you know, because he was my big brother. He was older and, you know, and you know, monkey see, monkey do. And he wanted to ride bulls. So I was like, well, shoot, that's a cool bus to be on. I'm going to go be over there. And, and I kind of got doing that. And, you know, it just ball got to rolling. I got to, you know, I, I was a shitty calf rider. I, I would look off, bail off. Uh, I mean, I was just there. I was there for the girls, man. I was there for the cotton candy is all I was there for. <laughs> Didn't matter to hear my name called. and, and uh, But then I got into steers a little bit bigger, and I don't know. Something just kind of clicked somewhere in there, probably in the steer riding in the junior bulls. Uh, something just kind of clicked, and I was like, you know what? I don't want a job. I, this this is pretty fun, and I'm I'm pretty good at it. You know, I can make a, I can make a, a go at it. And, uh, of course, that was about the time – you know, that was Lane and Tough and Jim and all them was coming up and um, watching them at the NFR and, and stuff. That really, they become my heroes and my idols, and, and I got to looking up to them, and then you did a whirlwind from there. That's so what, how old was you? Because there's a story out there. When you was like, what, 13 or 14, you and a couple other guys made a trip down to Mexico. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I don't know this one. So uh, That's good. I was at 13, I was going to Billy Bob's and, and riding at Billy Bob's, and I got to know Dean Wilson and uh, Joe Wimberly and and uh, Bo Ashhorn and a bunch of them guys and Sandy Kirby and them. And um, Joe had got some connection or something with Mexico. I don't know. And they was having a, a top 25. It was – they billed it as the top 25 American riders versus top 25 Mexico riders. Well, what it actually was was just 25 American riders, whoever the hell wanted to go, 25 of us, uh, against the top Mexico riders. And I was like, you know what? I'll do that. You bet. 
shoot, yeah. And so we went down there, and I rode down there with Dean Wilson and uh, I want to say probably Dax Lackey or somebody, uh, and we got down there. And the first time I went down there, because I went down there twice, um, first time we went down there, we we uh, got to Laredo. We'd went to uh, uh, somewhere in Texas to a pro ro- or to a UPRA ro- or CPRA or CWRA rodeo, and I got in the truck with Dean. And we drove all the way after the rodeo that night. We drove all the way to Laredo, Texas, and got on a bus and went across the border. A 24-hour bus ride later, you know, we got the mariachi bands on there. We've got the, you know, the Queen of Mexico on the bus or the princess or whatever the hell she is. And and uh, they're, they're playing the mariachi band all the way down there. So you're not sleeping. And at one point in time between the stops, it was kind of funny because we'd get down there and and when we, we stopped in Saltillo when we picked up a bunch of the Mexican riders and, and the mariachi band and whoever. I think they said she was the queen, but I think she might have been princess. I don't even know if that was true. She could have been the queen of the rodeo. I have no idea. But anyway, I got to telling her, teaching her cuss words in English on the way down there. But uh, And she was teaching me Spanish cuss words. But ever, about every 15, 20 miles, we'd stop. I'm like, what are we stopping for? Well, the Mexican riders, they would be getting off, and they would buy them a, a six-pack of beer and get back on the bus. Every one of them would buy a six-pack of beer. And then when that six-pack run out 30, 40 miles, 50 miles down the road, we'd be stopping again and getting more beer. And I'm like, what in the hell? Why don't y'all just buy a damn case? <laughs> Should last long. We get there faster. You know, I ain't 14, you know, 13, 14. You know, let's go, you know. Then anyway, get down there, and I wind up, placing it around or two. I think I wound up winning second or third down there, and I come back and I crossed the border. I had, I think I cashed in over a million pesos or some shit. I thought I was rich now. And, I mean, I had a stack of pesos. Them suckers were this tall, and I had them in a bag. And, it, and I'm glad they didn't ask where I got them from, but it was at the bull ride, and I didn't know. Uh, but, yeah, it was it was so big a stack, I, I had to send it through the little window there in, in pieces, you know, in sections, quartered it up and send it through there so she could – so she could pay me. I think it turned out to like twenty five hundred bucks or something. You know, it wasn't much. It was. I like the idea of the million pesos. I just need to go back across the border, I guess. But we went down there the second time, and uh, I think this is the story that Briar's wanting to talk. Mm-hmm. about. You talking about the the wild bull? Yeah. The wild Mexican bull story. Uh, so we go back down there the second time with JW and KJ Pletcher, JD Dunn. Uh, I want to say JJ Quintana. Uh, Dean went back down there with us, and some other guys. We all got on a bus and, and rode to Saltillo this time. We didn't pick up another Mexican this time. We, we were straight there. It was no problem. And we get there, and they've got us in this uh, – it's in a compound. And they tell us, don't leave the compound. We, we're, not, we're not responsible for you if you leave the compound. you got to stay in the compound. Okay. Well, it was uh, – I don't know uh, – it was had the the adobe walls around the compound right and the arena was in the middle and the stands and everything well the bucking shoots they just had one delivery it was all left-hand deliveries and leading up to the to the shoots was an alleyway that was about probably 60 feet long just straight and it come right out of a round pen into this long 60 foot alleyway that led up to the i think they had probably five or six shoots and i was supposed to be in the second section so 
about the end of the first section, I go back there and start looking for my bull, and because I hadn't seen him yet, and they they'd give me a pretty good description, and he said, "You'll know him when you see him. He's great big. He's a brammer. He's got scur horns." Okay, so I get back there, and sure enough, there's there he is, and he's in a pen of about probably ten or twelve bulls. They start, and they just they was just herding them up this alleyway, and they'd all just go up this alleyway, and then right on into the chutes and they'd stick a bar or something behind him in the panels or whatever they didn't have the prefer slides we do now or anything and uh it rocks on this bull just not going in there won't go in there won't go in there won't go in there and it gets down to about the last section and they put that last set of bulls in there and i've been standing underneath the bleachers right there by the by that pen waiting on my bull to get in there so I put my rope on I got my shafts on we didn't have a vest back then you didn't ride in a vest or a helmet or anything and I stand there with my shafts and had my rope in my hand and I was ready and they finally they said something in Spanish and one of the guys on horses come over and ropes that bull ropes my bull runs rope up to the alleyway and wraps it around the, the, the alleyway panels and tries to pull him up in there well they get him about halfway just started up in there and this bull's having none of it. I mean, he's by this time his horns are bleeding. He's beat off every panel back there. His horns are splintered and split. And this sucker is one mean sucker. I mean, he's he's run everybody out of the pen. He's I mean, he's sowing a fit. One of the meanest bulls I've ever been around in my life. And I'm standing there watching it. And about that time, that bull pulls back and he breaks the panels off of the off the bucking shoots disconnects it and remember they had they had him roped and then they had it looped around the panel and then tied to a horse well it jerks it away from the horse and it somehow half itches around that panel and this bull takes off downtown saltillo with some panels until the rope breaks and then he's gone gone where i don't know where and I mean, and lays the pan- the panels are laid down flat as a damn pancake. And luckily, you know, it was a, that, that, it got down to the last bull back there. There wasn't no other bull in that in that pen. He laid that whole damn pen down and was gone. They sent two guys after him. I was praying they wouldn't come back with him, and they did not. They come they they come back empty handed, and they was pretty lathered up and bleeding themselves. And they I don't know what they said in Spanish, but I was pretty sure they said just let him go. <laughs> and uh, I was so thankful because by that time they'd got the panels up and they decided to go ahead and give me a re-ride. And it was a little spotted bull that J.D. had rode, rode it earlier in the first round. And I, I got him rode for like 78 and I won a little check. But, yeah, that, that mean sucker there. I was, I've never not wanted to get on a bull until in Mexico. That one there I didn't want no part of. He probably weighed 1,800, scur horns, looked down his nose at you, big gray hump. Uh, I mean, athletic and just fireball, pissed off, mean. And you wow. was 14 at this time. And I was 14 years old in another <laughs> country. You know, I had, J, you know, JW and my buddies were there, but, you know, if I'd have got hurt down there, what the hell would have happened? They ain't that great of hospitals in Mexico, boys. No. They just would have thrown you underneath the fence and kept running. Hey, I've seen some of them Mexican videos, and I watched them before I went down there, and I was like, they ain't throwing me like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was the Mexico trip. But that was that was a fun trip. That was a you know, so you know, there you go. I thirteen years old, already rode in Mexico. You know, by the time I was by the time I turned eighteen, I'd I'd rode I'd already rode in uh or I'd say by the time I was twenty, I'd already rode in uh in Canada, Mexico, 
all over. Uh, been in uh, 48 of the United States. So what? What? How old were you when you made your first World Finals? And where did you go? Where did you end up that year? In the um, I turned 18 in April. Uh, the finals were in October. I uh, started from scratch. Now I back up just a second because back then, even though I wasn't 18, I could go to them term pros and stuff, and I could win their money uh, and ride the bulls and everything. But it wouldn't count for the finals. Oh, so by the time I turned 18, I was pretty well, pretty well versed in what what needed to be done and how things went on, and and kind of knew the locker rooms and and knew some of the bulls and. When I turned 18, I was just hellfire, and, and I just took off. Uh, I think they – well, they took 45 back then. Um, so within, you know, what, however many months that is, not very damn many, I made it to 42nd, and I qualified 42nd uh, that year. Um, Could have wound up a little more. Uh, it, and honestly, that was probably my best finals I ever had. I, I never had a really good finals. Um, I had uh, – Tony Lama boots in the short round, uh, carried him right. I mean, right to the whistle. I think you can watch it on YouTube. Uh, rode him right to the whistle, and then two weeks later, so he bucked me off in Vegas in the short round. Could probably cost me twenty five, thirty thousand. And then I have him two weeks later in Stephenville at the Lone Star Arena for at a, at a turn pro, and I win three thousand on him. I'm ninety two. <laughs> I'm like, you know, why couldn't that have been last week? You know. But, <laughs> Uh, you know, it's about my about my story. Day late and a dollar short. Now, fast forward to '97, going into the Vegas. Going into '97, uh, my second, uh, my actually my first full year. Um, I I'm riding really good. I'm healthy. I broke in. I'm good to go. Uh, Adriano's running off with it, man. I mean, he is just flat smoking everybody like Adriano does. Well, he breaks his leg in Fort Worth. And me and G-Man, or me and Michael Gaffney, are, you know, second and third. And it's a battle between me and G-Man. I mean, Adrian's got a humongous lead. I mean, he was killing us. And we get to Reno, uh, which is an event right before the finals, and it got down to where it was me and G-Man was the only one mathematically possible to catch Adriano. But we had to ride everything. We had to ride everything, place in some rounds, and more than likely win the average at the finals to to beat him, point-wise. And we get through – we both get through Reno really good. We go into the finals, and it basically it's, it's a showdown between me and G-Man at the finals. And I ride a couple. He rides a couple. I faltered in the third round. Uh, and looking back on it, um, and G-Man went on to win the world title. Um, but looking back on it, I don't think I was mentally ready to be a world champion then. I don't think I was, I was mentally set and ready at that time. I, uh, I, I had the game, but I, it, the, the mental side of it with the pressure and, and everything, I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. I wasn't ready to be a world champ yet. So, but my first full year there, I wound up, uh, actually I wound up, uh, fifth for the year. And uh, so I, I was very confident going into 98. Um, after, you know, my first full year winding up fifth, I'm like, shoot, I've got a shot at this. Let's go. Well, then I started catching some injuries. I tore a bicep or something, you know. It's always, always some little ailing little something throughout 98. And then uh, in 99, dream season. <laughs> 
So going from 98 season where you didn't have your best season, what was your mindset going into 99? Um, be healthy. That, that's I wanted to – I wanted to – throughout, you know, like all along in my early career, I never really got hurt, right? I mean, I, I broke a leg at, at Billy Bob's and, and laid in the hospital for a month when I was 14 years old with a broke leg and traction and, and come back out of that. And I always come back strong from injuries uh, when I was younger. Um, but in, in 97, 96 and 97, I was super healthy, and I did really good. I qualified for my first world finals. And then the first full year I was on, I wound up fifth. So I had high expectations going into 98, and then here come the injuries. When you're getting on them caliber of bulls, it, I don't give a shit if you're a young body or not. It takes a toll on you, and it hurts, and, and shit gets aching. And you start giving to one little thing, then that's going to create something else that happens. It's going to cause you to eat the dirt, and then something else is going to hurt. And then you keep getting on, and you know, you're going to have three things hurting. And so I learned early on in 98 that because I rode with some injuries. And at that level, you it's, it's hard enough to ride them at 100%, which you're never. A bull rider is never 100% healthy, ever. Never, ever is a bull rider 100% healthy. There's always something ailing him. But if you could stay as healthy as you could, it's hard enough to ride them at 80%, much less if you're 60% healthy. And I wanted to stay at least 80% healthy, and I told myself, me and your mama, me and Shauna decided that, hey, if if I get below 80% healthy, we're going to set out until we are at least 80. And that's where we're going to go. And luckily in 99 – Things rolled just right, and I I had to set out uh, two weeks. Well, going into the '99 finals, where would you come in at first? In '99, I uh, I mean, I, I won the first event that year. Uh, they had five after the first five events. I'd done one two. Uh, I wound up winning six overall. I passed Ty Murray and, and the rest of the gang at Ty Murray's event, and uh, they never seen nothing but my tail lights after that. Um, I actually got knocked out in Laughlin. Uh, I was fixing to win my seventh, and I got knocked out, bucked off, knocked out. I wasn't, um, and that put me out. That broke both my collarbones and my sternum. And we had an off week after. Luckily, we had an off week after Laughlin. And then they went to Calgary, and then we went to Columbus. Well, I I took the off week off. Of course, I missed Calgary. Went to Columbus and Jay Preston, the secretary there. I said, "Well, because I'd always, you know, I'd kind of, he would always say something about, you know, because I was so hot that year. They was always giving me shit about, you know, taking their money or this or that. And I was like, well, where the hell am I? I mean, I know I'm first, but where am I in the race? And Jay Preston said, well, if you win fifth or better here, they can't beat you. Ty cannot catch you. He said, I don't care if he's 100, he rides everything he gets on, and he's 100 points and wins every round, he can't catch you. He's still going to be eight, 900 points shy of beating you. And at that time, the point system was whatever your score was, you know, so if I was 90 points and I won the round, that was 100 points. So I got 190 points that round. And then the average, I think, paid 600 points or something. So I, I, had, a, I had a very substantial lead. And at the time, when it was all said and done at the end of the year, I, I had 10,100 points which was like 4,000 points better than anybody else had ever got since the point system started. Because in 99, you set a lot of records that, I that said, held on for a long time. I, I was on fire. And 
uh, you know, most event wins was six, uh, 16 90 point rides. And that's not including the turn pros that I went to. I went to a few turn pros and was 90 a lot too. I mean, I was, I mean, I was basically Mr. Fucking 90 points in 99, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn no. record says it. You well, know? I, let's just say this. They, they say that Dalton Castle, nothing against Dalton Castle. He's a great boy, but he, they said last year that he was the king or king of the 90s, but he only had like five or six. Honestly, the king of 90 points is Chris Shivers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Chris Shivers has had he's over 90 points. 90, 90 pointers 94, or something. 90 I mean, pointers. You can't beat that guy. He's, he's definitely the king. But they was talking about in that season. Yeah, for was. the season. But, yeah, Joe Say's the only one that's beat me. Yeah, the only one. But they And he blew my doors off with like 22 or something. 24. And I, I had 16. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, let's take just a moment, thank our great sponsors, and we'll see you in just a few. This episode is brought to you by Dennis Davis Bucking Bulls, Lori Cranch, Sutherland Logistics, Blake Skaggs Bucking Bulls, Crenton Stitch Company, Benchmark Custom Buckles and Western Jewelry, SK Leather, Kirk Martin Logging, The Hat Shack, and Cactus Rodeo. So back in 99 when you were world champion, uh, what was the championship bonus and the money when you won the world? Because a lot of people don't know this. Yeah, so back in back at back then, back in '99, they had the Bud Light bonus, and it was a bonus system. And and I the the winner got seventy five thousand, and then I think it went all the way down. It paid out to the top fifteenth spot, and it I don't know. I think it was like a thousand or fifteen hundred that they won, an extra on whatever they won. So it was just a Bud Light bonus, really. Uh, but shoot, nowadays, you know, well, two years after I win the world title, they give a million dollars away, and I was like. I called the PBR. I was like, "Hey guys, you'll prorate that a little bit, <laughs> you know." Well, they did that when they changed buckles. When they uh, yeah, they yeah. sent everybody buckles. Yeah, I thought that was the dumbest question Randy Bernard ever asked me. Uh, they was coming out with the new buckles, and they they'd already given me mine right in '99. This was in 2002 or three or something. I can't remember when they come out with it, but uh, they wanted all the buckles to be the same you know, be pretty close to the same. And and uh, they said uh, Bob Berg was going to be making them. And I said, well, that's cool. Yeah, I like that. And, they was, and Randy was telling me how great they were and how many diamonds and da-da-da-da-da, well, how much it was going to be worth and how fancy they were. And I said, that's badass. I like that. And he goes, so we're probably going to want to get your other buckle back so we can put it in a, you know, put it in Hall of Fame later on down the road or something. And I said, well, you can keep that Bob Burke son, bitch, because I won that one. That's the one y'all give me was uh, the award design. That's the one that means the most to me because, you know, back then they had the big screen playing behind the shoots, and they, they showed that buckle before every event. And with the hot music and the bulls are stamping, and we're standing in the alleyway getting ready for the introduction, and I'm looking up seeing that buckle, and that was the prize at the end of the rainbow, buddy, and you, they ain't nobody getting that buckle from me. I thought yeah. that was the dumbest question Randy Bernard ever asked me. He goes, hey, well, we're going to need your buckle back like hell. <laughs> well, they asked Dalen Swerdgen for his buckle back so they could, you know, put his name and stuff on it, and he said the same thing. He said, no, let me wear it this night. Well, they asked me the same thing. They said they give it to me on stage because back then they had a big awards, you know, formal awards banquet and everything for all that. And uh, they said, well, you can take it to your table and, and stuff and, and kind of, you know, but at the end of the night you need to give it back to us so we can send it off and put your name on it. And I said, no, I'll send it off. I'm, this, I'm just going home with me. 
Then you say you slept. You wanted to sleep I, with it. That's why you damn right. I woke up the next morning. That son of a bitch was right there on my damn nightstand. <laughs> and it never left my sight. For sure. So, well, you talk about changes, right? Talk about changes. You said in two years after that, they went to the million-dollar bonus. You know, coming out of that era, you look back to them first couple of years, the first, let's say the first 10 years of the PBR. Um, it, it was it was it was a who's who. There were some legends in there that are now legends today. Um, guys that I looked up to. That's why I want to be a bull rider back in the day. Was was looking at them guys. I'd been getting on some stuff, but that there's a lot of great things happened there. But a lot of changes happened mm-hmm. uh, in them first ten years of the PBR. Yeah, you know the greatest thing about it was was back when the founders of the PBR was still sticking their hand in the bull rope. It was still ran by the bull riders. It it meant something to be there. They was moving in the direction for the bull rider. And, you know, the first 10 years was, was awesome. The first 15 years was, was great, you know. And and I'll be the first to say it, and I'm going to use this platform to say it, that I was fucking wrong about Randy Bernard. I, I thought Randy was – I thought he was, you know – I didn't I, – me, me and Randy, not that we didn't get along a lot. I just didn't, you know – I looked at some of the stuff he done, and I was like, I don't know. And then I still wonder about some of his practices, but i tell you what, back then for a guy to get in the driver's seat and take the PBR somewhere, he was definitely the driver. He should have been there. Uh, the driver they got now, not so fucking much. <laughs> yeah. Which is the whole reason, the whole reason we have this show. Um, you know, I, I've got a few questions um, that have been thrown at me since coming on the show um, that you're just trying to tear down a PBR. That you you hate the PBR and everything it, it represents. Um, I know the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody in this room knows the truth. Um, you are very passionate about the PBR. Mm-hmm. You you love what it done for you, and not just necessarily mm-hmm. you as a '99 world champion, but all of the champions that's been there. You're you're very proud of what the PBR done for your family and your yep. lifetime. Yep. Um, so no, I mean you can answer that live on yeah, right here. Live right here. I love the PBR. I just absolutely do not like the leadership in the PBR. I don't. I, I think they're they're about to kill the bull riders. And and without bull riders or the best stock contractors going, you don't have a you don't have an event. And when you start going down to your B and C team, then you start depleting the quality of your event. And the reason why the PBR got so big anyway was because it was the best versus the best. And it was all about bull riding. It wasn't about damn monster girl com, you know, commercials or, or uh, you know, all this other stuff that they do on the side. That that it's just it's a smoke show to you know go back to the roots. Show us the bull riding. Let's see bull riding, bull riding at heart. Get back to when you know. And I and I always say it on the show is is go back to the TNN days, man. It was just straight bull riding. And and they didn't even show all of the first round. They they'd show highlights of the first round. They'd show highlights of the second round. They'd show all of the short round. But everybody knew. You seen the top guys. You knew what channel it was going to come on. You knew what day it was going to come on. What time it was going to come on. And it was you could set your DVR. You back then it was probably a fucking VS VCR. Yeah, you, could you had set to hit. That, you had to hit yeah. record and set a timer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and the where it's going now, it's just got two commercialized i guess maybe or or let me put it this way I'll, I'll be very simple and blunt about it when the bull rider when the founders that founded the bull ride pbr when they stopped putting their hand in the rope and they took up that board chair and they sat down 
it's almost like when they took their hand out of the bull rope, they stuck it in the bull rider's pockets. Instead of keep on with that same mentality and building towards the future of bull riders and the future, you know, because pro I promise you, them board of directors that was sticking their hand in the rope, when they went into them board meetings, they was thinking about what was going to be best for them and every other bull rider in the room. Now it's not that away. It is not that away. And Sean Gleason is the head head honcho. He's up there that does it all. He's a charmer and he's he's charmed all this shit. But you, I, I honestly, I think the only way to fix it is to get the bull riders back in there in the boardroom that are still actively putting their hands in a bull rope. You know, get them back, get them back to where it's supposed to be, where where guys are actually sticking their hand in the rope and they're building something. They continue to build something. PBR thinks they've already fucking won. Well, I hate to tell you, if I in my world championship season, if I'd ever thought during that time or that season, if I thought I had won, Ty Murray would have kicked my ass. He'd have come, blowed my doors off, and left. PBR thinks they've won. Think they're, they're they're bullies and push everybody around now. Get back to wanting to be the best. Try to be be better today than you was yesterday. Do what it needs to take today to be better tomorrow. Keep trying to get better. And if you you know, like Dennis Davis said earlier, he said, you know, if you're not trying to get better, you're getting worse. Yep. You know. And I think PBRs hit that they've hit that silly plateau, and they don't want to keep going with something that that's brought them to the dance. Now they're going to bring in the Kid Rock Rodeo, and they're doing the team series, and they've cut the. It seems seems like now seems like they've cut the PBR Go Buckle season finals down to two damn days. That's not a priority anymore. Yeah, it's not. It seems like that's where they're going. I have no proof of that other than than what I'm hearing, and I hear from a lot of people, you know, and I know PBR watches this, so hi, PBR, hi, Sean Gleason, we're watching you too. And there's a lot of other people watching, and we see and hear a lot of things too. And it would be nice if you'd come on, Sean. Come on, tell me, give me the lowdown, give me the skinny, tell me to shut up, tell me I'm stupid, but come on the show and bring proof and evidence that I'm wrong or in, you know, where this is going, what's your plan? And it, it was very transparent back in the day, right? It was very transparent. It was – we had meetings and stuff. And, and I, we can get back to that in just a minute. That's why the PBR don't like me, I think, is because I started some – the riders' meetings before the events because I wanted transparency. I wanted to know what was happening, what was going on. I have a problem with authority figures. I don't like people telling me what to do. You ask me to do something, I'll – bust my ass doing it for you but do not tell me what to do and i want to know what's going on i'm 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 not the smartest guy in the room so i need all the evidence and all the information all the facts so i can try to be the second smartest you know uh so i want to know and when i started the writers meeting it, it was about the time that tough left and i think the pbr thought that i was siding with tough and trying to start a revelation or this or that and no all i wanted was don't walk in the locker room and say, hey, this is what we're doing here. This is how it's happening. This is good. And if you don't like it, don't give a fuck. Come talk to us. Enjoy, you know, say, hey, what do y'all think about this? Let's, let's try this and see what this happens. Come at us with a different approach. Or, and that's why I wanted a writer's meeting. Just, hey, tell us what's going on. What your plans are. What's the future of the PBR look like? Uh, any rule changes or whatever. 
And I think they per- perceived it as I was going with tough and trying to overturn the PBR, which I was not. I was only trying to better the PBR with that. Do you think the bull riders, because back in your day, obviously they could state their opinion. Can they state their opinion now, you think? Not uh, without uh, retaliation. Without retaliation. I mean, I really think what went down in Florida, um, you can – and and this is this is not from Cooper's mouth by no means, but this is from some other guys that were there uh, that Cooper and JB stood up. And, and of course, the bull riders followed them. Uh, Sean Gleason had to come and you know swallow the turd, take a big old bite of the sh- you know bite of the shit burger there, and, and make it right, or they wasn't going to have an event down there, and that pissed Sean off obviously because they don't like PBR, don't like pushback, they don't like questions, and JB quit. Cooper didn't draw worth a shit the next couple of years. No, not at all. So. Yes, there is retaliation. I, I, I mean, whether it's intimidation or bullying or, or draw tampering with or, or whatever it may be, you know, they, there's there's ways to get back to people without getting back with people. Well, like Bonner said the other day, they own the company that runs the odds. Not PBR, but Endeavor owns the company that runs the odds for the PBR. Yeah, and – that's that's yet to be i mean that's that's proven that's on proof there's there's proof there uh contractual visual audio all that he has all that uh and that's that's his that's his deal i, I back i back bonner and support bonner in that way uh because that won't kill the pbr that'll clean the house at pbr if we had different leadership or endeavor really wanted to help the PBR, like uh, Dennis was saying, if they, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said, uh, you know, the NBA is, I think NBA's in with Endeavor and they really push and and make their fans. So if Endeavor really wanted to help the PBR, it would be pushed a lot more. And if they looked into it very much, they would see that Sean Gleason is not the man for the job. I mean, literally, he was – he was what? Who was who's Sean Gleason? Sean Gleason was was Randy Bernard's little bitch boy, really. I mean, go do this, go do that, go do this, go do that, and you know, then the then Randy went off and did whatever he did. He he left PBR and a couple other CEOs come in, and then I don't know how I don't know how or who the hell voted Sean in there, but he I guarantee you he wouldn't have been in my first top five hundred choices. And, and and track records have shown. Now he's got this. He's got a circus going on. Is what he's got. Oh, that's a completely what it turned into. A couple episodes ago, you said if you want to be a bear, be a grizzly. Well, I don't want to be a grizzly in a circus. No, no. And and I in the way the thing's going right now, Briar, I honestly think that uh, the PBR is going to do away with the UTB season, and it's going to phase out and go into strictly teams. And PRCA will be the most coveted world champion buckle out there again. And uh, I would advise you to go go over there until, uh, or at least until PBR gets their shit straight. Because um, who wants to be a team champion, right? Not me. I mean, if you're if you're Trevor Kastner, right? You're at the end of your career. You're, you know, it. That's perfect for you, right? You can still ride some pretty juicy bulls. And you can sign a healthy contract over there and, and, and ride out retirement over there, you know, 
That's perfect for them guys. But it, you're not going to – PBR was, was, was designed for the best of the best. When you go to this damn team season, you're not ever going to get the best of the best, and I don't give a shit. You can't prove that they're the best of if the best when the no, coach is, is picking the Bulls. If, if you're the best of the best in the team series and you stub your damn toe, you set out for six weeks. So how is that for the fans watching the best of the best when it turns into like basketball – where you may not see Kobe or LeBron or whoever play for six weeks because maybe they're saving them for the playoffs because he stubbed his toe or sprained his ankle or whatever. I mean, in ninety in in oh three, uh, I made the finals. I was at I was at the finals in oh three. Had uh, got on my first round bull and bull kicked out of there and turned. I rode him right to the whistle. I think and. And I had to, he got me away from my hand. I just tweaked a little bit and I broke a rib and it punctured my lung when I hit the ground. And I had Vegas nights the next night, bucked me off like two weeks before that. And actually, you know, before the finals, I did some, me some studying on that bull. I was like, man, I need this. I got to ride this son, bitch. He, if I don't, I, I figured I would ride smoke ring in the first round and then I'd have a shot in the rank pin with Vegas nights to win the round. Well, hell, I punctured my damn lung in the first round. I'm like, I'm questionable. I'm like, I don't, damn, what am I, what am I going to do? And they told me, I told them, I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get on. And they said, well, this is what's going to happen. They said, if you hit the ground and you lose your air, he said, we're going to come out there. And they showed me the needle. That bitch was about this long, about as big around as my damn pinky. And they said, we're going to rip your vest off and we're going to stab you in the lung and we're going to inflate your lung. And I said, you won't have to do that. I hope you don't. Well, <laughs> I ride him. I win, I, ride, I ride Vegas Knights, win around 93 and a half. Two rounds later, I get on the bull, uh, make you famous, Scotty Lovelaces. It kind of runs me down the gate. Not enough to get a re-ride, but just enough to pull your leg up a little bit and you get set on your ass. And he left out like a 747 and then topped out like he was in a nosedive. And I mean, planted me hard flat on my back, and I crawl over the side of the arena, and I see Rich Blinn and the boys coming, and they've got that damn needle, and I'm looking, going, no, 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 oh, I don't, I don't want it, don't need it, ain't gotta have it, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, you know, and I, I'm, I'm telling myself this, but I can't talk because I have no air, and I'm over gasping, you know trying to catch my air and try to get these words out. No, don't get me with this needle. Don't get me with this needle. And I'm going like this, and they're trying to hold my hands back and everything. And I don't know where the air come from, but it come from just in the right time because I told them, I said, no, I'm good. Just give me a minute. How the hell I got that out, I don't know. And they stopped. And I said, I had gathered enough air by that time. I said, if you give me just a second, I'll be just fine, and you can keep that damn needle. And so, but now you go back to the team deals. You, you ain't going to see nobody see get on with a punctured lung. They don't need to because they're already getting paid. It's going to kill the sport. I honestly believe that the draft has killed part of the sport, and now the coaches picking the bulls is killing the sport, and now the, the paid contracts are killing the sport, and a lot of the team owners don't even want their riders going to turn pros. Well, how the hell do you think they got good enough for, for you to sign, have them sign a contract with you they got that good by going to them damn turn pros and sharpening that, you know, what Billy the Kid say in Young Guns, you got to stay sharp. 
Mm-hmm. You, you don't test yourself every day. Yeah, you got to test yourself every day. If you don't, you get slow. Well, that they're depleting. Look at all that. It depletes the damn deal. The draft has created one-dimensional bull riders. Now, 99.9% of the bull riders cannot ride one away from their hand on a consistent basis. Not unless he's a 20 and a half, and that's rare even at that. And then you got the coaches picking them. How are they picking them? Because they want to win. They're picking them to go in their hand. One-dimensional bull riders. There you go. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I know the truth. I already know the answer to this question. But correct me if I'm wrong. The whole The whole – purpose of this platform you coming together um it's not to rip away the pbr it's to keep the integrity of that buckle to keep the integrity of that world championship mm-hmm. uh and, and keep keep moving forward in a positive measure don't rip it apart and, and, yeah. and that's pretty much the yeah. thinking behind the platform of that is show. that is pretty much the thinking and 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 the only way that that buckle is going to live on and the, the, the heritage and the history and the, the prestige of it, right? The only way it's going to carry on and live is if PBR gets behind back behind the, the Unleashed the Beast or the Bud Light Cup or the Built Ford Tough World Championship season and, and, and go for one winner, you know? And it, it, with, with the leadership they've got up there now, I – just don't see it the way they're going with with all this other stuff um i love the pbr i love i love everything about the pbr the way it was built and designed for i see that it's not going in that direction i think you know um well when they moved i I knew something was up when they moved the finals from vegas to fort worth you know i knew they didn't give a shit about heritage and they didn't they, they said they didn't care change is inevitable Okay, well, change is, you know, yeah, you do have to change and evolve. But that gold buckle lives on forever. World champions live on for, you know, that that lives on forever. Long past I'll be gone and everything. That buckle will still be around, passed through the family. Um, but if they get if they do away with the UTBC, all that shit dies. It's done. It's it's It goes back to look at the Wrangler bullfights. Who won the last – who was the last Wrangler – Bullfight world champ. Do y'all know? I don't know that. No, you don't. I don't either. But that's my point. Nobody will remember it. They don't. Unless you keep it going. Keep it moving forward. Nope. You know, that's one thing about the Western Way of Life. We're all about preserving the heritage. We we still pray before every mm-hmm. event. We still talk about that American flag and, and our, and our um, freedoms that we have here in America. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this show's about. Our freedoms of wanting to preserve something that we're mm-hmm. passionate about. Um, mm-hmm. that, that we love and uh, it's an open invitation um, to any of them yeah. any of them guys that want to come yeah. and, and and tell us the future of what that buckle is going to bring uh, for, for my grandkids yeah and uh, I pray ever hey, I pray ever night that uh, whenever Sean Gleason's replaced up there and they've cleaned house that the guys that they put in place get back to that get back to the roots you know because at some point Sean's going to be gone amen and <laughs> Somebody else can come in there. I hope and pray that 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 guy gets it back to where it belongs, and that's back in the in, in the best versus the best, the world champion bull rider and the world champion bull. Them big marquee matchups like Tough Heatman and Bodacious. Yeah, you know how big was that? Mm-hmm. It, Ty Murray and Red Wolf at the finals. I mean, <clears throat> the, the the matches go on and on. 
Lane Frost and Red Rock. Lane I mean, Frost I can remember and that, and that was before both of their times. Yeah. Freckles and Tornado. We're gonna keep yes. going further back. I mean, exactly. you know, Mister T and Marty Stannard at yep. you know and Shine. I mean, we we can go on and on with these marquee matchups, but that's what people remember. And who the hell's gonna remember a team championship? And that's you know? and that's one thing we talked about starting us is I'll, you, I ask you, I got a question right now, right now, and I got a twenty dollar bill. If any one of y'all can name. All seven members of the world champion Texas fucking Rattlers. Uh, you can't. I couldn't tell you that. Nope. Give me a- Nope. And they just won. That's how important it is. But who was yeah. last year's world champion bull rider? Uh, Rafael Dorito. There you go. How simple was that? Nobody gives a shit about the team deal. I mean, yeah, it's awesome, and I think it's got its spot. But I think I just proved my damn point. Yep. And that's one reason you you wanted to start this is you're just trying to better mm. bull riding, mm-hmm. what you love and live for. You're just trying to better it and open people's eyes and get some stuff changed if it, if it happens. Yeah. And that's all you're trying to do is that, well, you got to go better the, the bad. sport. You got to go through the bad to get back to the good. Yeah. No matter no matter what it is, everybody's got their opinion. Some might yeah. like this, some might like that. Because um, we don't all agree all, all the time no, in, this, no. in, in here. Mm-mm. But in the same breath, the whole purpose uh, uh, of this idea of this show today, of mm-hmm. what we're doing here today, was I wanted to prove to our listeners that there is a love for the sport. There absolutely. is a love for the PBR. This is not a, a hatred towards anything. No, absolutely not. Because I, I, that was our conversation when mm-hmm. I came on the show. My whole deal with me being on the show was I want I never did win that world buckle. Mm-mm. But I'm proud to know that I know a bunch that did. Yeah. And I want that to live on. I yep. want to know a bunch more. Exactly. I want I want to know a bunch more, and especially now looking at at the kids that we get to see coming up through our junior mm-hmm. ranks and through our different deals. I want that to mean something to those kids. Absolutely. Like it meant to me when I was a kid. Like it's going to mean to your son when he mm-hmm. finally gets to that level. Mm-hmm. Um, so our invitation's open. We invite yep. any and everybody that wants to be a part of the show, get a part of us. Um, you know, any last words? We're yep. about out of time. Um, Sean Gleason, you do have my phone number. Uh, and if and if you don't, and anybody wants to call and, and, and you know, rebuke anything that we got to say, it's 940-727-2172. It's right here. You can call me. We can get you on here, and we can talk about it, and we can get it out. We can be transparent about it. If you ain't got nothing to hide, what are you scared of? Come see us. We thank you guys for tuning in to another great episode of Pro Bull Talk, where it's all talk and no bull. Uh, please give us a like on all of our uh, social media. Go check us out on YouTube. Subscribe. Share it with your friends and family. We hope to see you soon.